Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading the Fight Night Extra. A reminder that I'll be joined every single Monday live on TalkSport 2 by Gareth A. Davis to dissect all the latest from the world of boxing and MMA. 2021 is set to be a huge year for boxing, both in the UK and abroad, and we'll have you covered every single step of the way. If you can't join us live, make sure you subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel to ensure you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, you can also check out some of the other great boxing programming, the likes of Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and the boy from Brownsville, the Mike Tyson story. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Good afternoon, everyone. Look, if you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the place to be. We have a new show every week called Fight Night Extra. Myself and the great Gareth A. Davis, we're looking forward to some of the big fights that could and should happen in 2021. Could we see Tyson Fury, AJ? It's now been confirmed that we will see Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders. We're going to talk about that a bit later. We'll also speak to UFC fighter Tom Aspinall this week about what he's going to do in the UFC heavyweight division. We'll hear from Dillian White and why he thinks he still deserves a WBC or any title shot for that matter. Plus, we'll look back on Canelo's win over Avni Yildirim. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. They have stopped the fight. It's over. No moss from Abney Yildrum, and this was just a pound-for-pound beatdown by Canelo Alvarez. The moment was too big, and the lights were too bright for Abney Yildrum. He did the talking. He did not do the walking. But you know, Todd DeBuff is the man. He knows what he's doing, right? So, um... You know, we got to give him kudos to Todd DeBuff for for uh, distributing and, and working on his fighters very well. So congratulations, Todd DeBuff. You just lost your best fighter from your stable. busy show i might have to ask my producers for an extra 20 minutes here because we got loads to cover from the world of boxing and mixed martial arts let's welcome in the great mind that is gareth a davis gareth i want to kick things off with the pound for power number one arguably the best fighter on the planet right now canelo who fought on the weekend in miami and i was very very thoroughly disappointed with the performance of avni yielded him i just have to get it off my chest gareth no i think you're fair to do that good afternoon Addy. lovely to be with you again i mean it's look when, when someone has the opportunity and they're being paid a million bucks mm. 
to fight the number one pound for pound in the world and create a legacy for themselves that they can create um, a legacy not just for themselves but for their family and historically in Turkey Avni Yildirim weirdly did not enter into the fray at all he yeah. was like a punch bag for Canelo I think he landed five punches I looked at the stats um, five punches in three rounds and and he just looked like he'd taken a drug to keep him quiet. It was so weird. He did though. He did though, didn't he? Like, and and also, you're watching. It was four in the morning for us. Yeah. And I just watched it, and I just roll. I mean, I I was working in the morning, writing and stuff, and a few tweets, and oh, I just rolled over, and I I, I think I just. I think I was falling asleep with what he was doing. Yeah. Because Can Canelo's in the prime of his life, and this was an opportunity to really do it. He didn't have a game plan, Yildirim. He didn't come out bullishly like he normally did. It's like I said, it looked like he'd been drugged. Yeah, honestly, it was weird. It it's strange because uh, again, you've obviously watched Yildirim's career, so have I. And this guy normally comes out and look, he's not the best in terms of ability, but it's action-packed from Yildirim. He gives it a go. It's like he froze in the moment. And I understand, Gareth. Look, we're talking about Canelo here right now. For me, he's at the peak of his powers. But I just want to see more. You're fighting Canelo. You're fighting for your country. You're fighting for all the marbles, like you say, over a million dollars in the bank as well. I mean, it, it was it was it was a bit embarrassing. It really was embarrassing. And another thing as well, Gareth, is that I remember seeing your Diaz sort of ask him in the corner, "Look, are you okay? Do, do you want more?" He didn't even respond. No, Joel Diaz was really annoyed with yeah. him from the opening round onwards, saying, "What are you doing here? Yeah. Look, the occasion it does happen as well mm. that that I, I think there's something about Canelo at the moment that he is." He's at the peak of his powers. He's in the prime of his life. He wants to fight four times a year. Doesn't give a damn about anyone else. He's a four-weight world champion. He's the most watched boxer in the world. Everybody knows he's on the peak of greatness at the yeah. moment. And he might have just been completely intimidated. It does happen to fighters. But one guy that won't be intimidated <laughs> is Billy Joe Saunders with yeah. his fake penis, rather. Swing it from your apron. Get into Canelo's head, Billy Joe, because I'm happy to give you a big momentum drive because he has got the skills to take this guy on. Yeah, honestly, look, that's that's the one thing. <laughs> pardon the pun. We know. Hey, it's a Billy family G show. It's seven minutes past four. It, you it can't is. be talking about shrinking. <laughs> we know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders isn't going to be afraid of this. Like, we, we no. know he's not going to do what um, Abney yielded him did. And like you say, he's got the skills. My, my only worry is, look, and you were on the show famously saying that Billy Joe Saunders is arguably the most skilled fighter we've seen on these shores for, for many a year. And I'm just worried about the inactivity. I'm worried about him going to 168. I, did, I didn't think... I think he looked a bit sluggish when he fought mm. Martin Murray, and that could be because he was out of the ring for a long time. I just don't know, Gareth. Like, I want him to win. I really do, because I love him. He's a character. He's fantastic for the sport. But I look at Canelo, and I don't see any weakness whatsoever. No, he's just, get, like you say, he's just getting better and better. And we saw a month ago, or two months ago against uh, Callum Smith, who was considered the number one in the 12-stone division at the time, super middleweight, being 12-stone, that, that um, you know, that, that he looked defensively more savvy. I think we mentioned yeah. this on the show a couple of weeks ago. Not just offensive, but defensively savvy. So, look, Billy Joe Saunders, I think is in the top 10 pound for pound in the world in terms of skills yeah, yeah. as a boxer. I think he's our most skillful boxer in Britain right now. You know, if you made a pound for pound list on skills and evasion and movement and footwork and angles and changing levels and all those things, 
I'd, you'd, you'd have a hard argument to beat him. Agreed. Um, Agreed. But but what he's got to do against this guy, he's got to be on for every second of every minute of every round, and he's got to do a performance. He's got to create a performance that he's out and he's stinging. Uh, Canelo with combinations, then he's out again. He's moving and and he's bamboozling, confusing Canelo, and like making Canelo change course and chase change the pattern um, of, of what he's doing. Because Billy isn't renowned for enormous power, but mm. he's got to do it on punch volume. Otherwise, he'll lose eight four or nine three in rounds, and he won't get a look in in the fight. Because I think it'll be difficult for Canelo to finish him, mm. but. You know, because they're both a puzzle for each other. It's Canelo's toughest fight, in my view, apart from Mayweather. And maybe Lara more, more, more was tricky. More tougher than Lara. Oh, Lara, you mentioned And Eris Landy yeah. Lara as yeah. well. Very similar style to, to Billy. Yeah. You know, Cuban, massive footwork, circles the ring, um, long. It can go short, can go angles. And I was at that fight. I watched it live. I thought it was very close. And mm. I didn't agree with the people on TV, because you're watching a different fight, I was ringside, because I, I did think Canelo won that night. He had the aggression, he went for it. Lara was just tricky. It's a very similar template, but this is a different Canelo seven years on. This so, is it, right? This is a, a much um, a much different Canelo as well. Mm, um, mm. With with regards to, to Canelo and where you see in terms of any faults, do you look at him and think, okay, this is why... So if you're, you're Mark Tibbs and you're, you're Billy Joe Saunders, if you are looking at Canelo and you're watching his past five or six fights where are you looking at and thinking okay we can we can maybe sort of get some some, some work there get, get, get I, something I, there i think what he's got to do he's got to go into from mid-range to close range he's gonna he's gonna have use his footwork and move around but billy's got great timing and great um footwork he's got to come in and he's got to land combinations and make canelo miss he's got to hit the old saying he's got to hit and not be hit in this fight and that's the only way that he's going to put a margin in the minds of the judges to start winning rounds mm. he's got to start fast um, he's got to start accurately and he's got to win rounds. He can't be chasing this fight. He needs Canelo coming after him. He needs to be around, uh, uh, a round or two or three rounds ahead after eight rounds. A lot of people will be going, what are you talking about, G-Man? No, he does. He does. What are you talking I, I about? I fully understand That's what That's what he has to do. Yeah. Look, if I have one criticism of Callum Smith, and I was doing the broadcast live at the time for Zone. I think I was with Joe Calzaghe actually on the night. And we were both saying, kind of, as we were watching it, I was scoring the rounds, um, that Smith needed to change game plans during the fight. Billy needs two or three game plans. He needs to get ahead in the fight. I think go in there and ambitious. We know he's going to earn seven to eight million pounds. It's a massive payday for him. But, you know, he's a traveller. The, 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 the national sport of the gypsies, he calls himself a gypsy. I'm not calling him a gypsy. No, he does. He, yeah, he yeah. does. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and listen, the travellers all know me. They, they, they know I'm dyed in the world boxing. I get stopped all the time by them because it's their national sport. They want to talk about Billy Joe against Canelo. They want to talk about Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. But... This is a massive opportunity, more than the money for Billy Joe Saunders, to become one of the great recognised and remembered forces in British boxing of all time. Because this guy Canelo is, is headed towards greatness, in my view. If, and it's a big if, if he beats Canelo, does this exceed Fury Klitschko and even yes. exceed Hunnigan Curry? Uh, well, I think they're all very similar. They all, as like you say, Donald's... 
uh, Curry beaten by Lloyd Hunnigan, the ragamuffin from South London, from Bermondsey, mm. um, heading down, was it 1985, I think it was, um, that Lloyd went and beat the guy, Donald Curry, was 25 and 0 at the, the time. time. Pound for pound, number one, he was considered, exactly. Um, and, and he was never the same afterwards. And, you know, uh, the ragamuffin mugged him in Atlantic City over seven or eight rounds, wasn't it? And a brilliant performance. And we never forget it. That's why we always talk about it. So, yeah, I mean, it's right up there with all of those, with, 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 John, um, with um, Ken Buchanan's performances abroad, with, with, the, with the great performances, with Cal Brook and, uh, well, it'd be more than Cal Brook and Sean Porter. Um, it, it, it's an extraordinary opportunity for a guy who has got so many skills in the office, doesn't always need to use them. And as Ben Davison always says about uh, Billy Joe Saunders, he always raises his game against better opponents. And this time, he needs to go elite, for, as I say, for every second of every minute of every round. I want to quickly ask you about Triller and them outbidding mm. both top rank and a zone, obviously putting in that massive uh, bid of over $6 million for the Teofimo Lopez-Cambosos fight. Before that, I want to quickly play the audio of Frank Smith, who said it's good to have another competitor like Triller in the sport of boxing. Let's listen to what Frank has to say. Triller entering boxing is great for the sport. Competition is great for the sport, and anyone who wants to invest and build boxing, it, it's brilliant because you know ultimately we want boxing to be as big as possible, and that does take money, that takes investment, um, and you know I think they they've done a great job. I think it's great for the fighters as well. Tiafimo Lopez, George Cambosis, you know, will get what they get what they deserve in, in such a dangerous sport where these fighters risk their life. They deserve every penny they can get. Um, and, you know, we saw there, uh, Tia Lopez is going to make just under $4 million. George Gambosas about $2.1 million. It, you know, brilliant. And although we didn't win, you know, I think we put in a, a decent-sized bid, and it would have been a great fight for, for us to, to get as well. But fair play to Triller, and great job. Matchroom's Frank Smith there speaking about Triller now entering. I say entering, look, they put on the, the Roy Jones Jr. Mike Tyson fight, but now entering the real world of boxing, I'd like to call it, with this massive bid uh, for Teofimo Lopez Cambosos. What did you make of it, Gareth? Well, it's fascinating. This is a big story, really, Eddie. And um, um, so for anyone listening, Triller are, are, are a platform, a, 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 a media platform. So they do entertainment, don't they, in general? They came in last year. And the reason Triller have got involved, the background to this that so everybody should know is because it, they did the biggest pay-per-view online in America last year when Roy mm. Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson fought each other. 1.6 million views. That was more than Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, remember, earlier on in the year. So they wanted to get involved in boxing. They're going to get involved in the entertainment boxing industry. So I think we can <laughs> see some of the Jake Pauls of this world and the KSIs, all those kind of massive massive YouTubers getting involved with Triller. But what I thought was interesting, as Frank said, because I was speaking to him there on Saturday night about that, um, that the, the, they're getting involved. It's another competitor in the marketplace. This is about marketing forces and marketability and individuals taking canonical ownership, like Tiafimo Lopez is, of his own career. He got $1.2 million $1.2 million for fighting Vasil Lomachenko last year. Yeah. Lomachenko got $3.5 or $3.25 million. And now what Tiafimo becoming the number one in the, in, the, in the lightweight division, wants to do is capitalise on his success. And Triller are giving him that, that avenue. Mm. And so it's brilliant they're coming. It's like Friday night, Clarissa Shields is on Fight TV on all women's cards. Um, and that's pay-per-view. The, this is, all of this is breaking new ground. And I think what it is... It, 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 it's 
It's creating the opportunity for fighters to, to, to create their own destiny of Vasyl Lomachenko last year. Yeah. Lomachenko got three and a half million or 3.25 million. And now what Tiafimo becoming a number one in the, in, the, in the lightweight division wants to do is capitalize on his success. And Triller are giving him that, that avenue. Mm. And so it's brilliant they're coming. It's like Friday night, Clarissa Shields is on Fight TV on all women's cards. Um, and that's pay-per-view. The, this is, all of this is breaking new ground. And I think what it is, it, 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 it's, it's creating the opportunity for fighters to, to, to create their own destiny a bit more than just relying on the promoters. Look, I hope that Tiafima goes back with top rank and it doesn't end in a legal dispute where he's held out for three years afterwards because he's on a big contract with them, which happened with Mikey Garcia a few years ago. And he had to sit out nearly two years, Eddie. So it's complex, but it's good. It's nice to have another player in the market in Triller. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Nothing away from a very good one. Big shot from Alexander Povekin. And he's knocked Dillian White cold here in the fifth round. And that is extraordinary. Unbelievable. And when Alexander Povekin had lost every single round, he beat down twice. He finds one huge shot that lays out White. We are going to talk Dillian White. Remember, he's got that big rematch coming up against Povetkin uh, later on this month. Before that, though, Gareth, a- a- what's the latest with regards to-, to Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua? I'm-, I'm getting a bit of a headache with regards to all of it now. I mean, Tyson Fury done an interview with Breka Okamoto, sorry, from ESPN, and it wasn't, it didn't fill me with that much confidence. I can't lie to you. No, I think I think you're misinterpreting it. You're not necessarily misinterpreting it, but I think people did misinterpret it, Eddie. I think, mm. um, I think. I'm in regular text um, uh, connection with uh, Tyson. Tyson and I text each other all the time. God, I, I, it took me a while to get that out, didn't no, it? No, no, no. It, we we text each other. We're in contact with each other. Mm. Um, 
And I think Tyson's just a bit frustrated because yeah. he didn't have that fight in December. So he just wants to know that that they really are genuine about the fight moving ahead. Mm. Um, and I think it was just frustration coming out. I mean, privately, he told me that he wanted to get the fight signed by the end of February. Obviously, it's March the 1st now. And I think on the anniversary, which is what he did, that interview with Brett Okamoto was with, with ESPN, his, his US Paymasters. Mm. He's got a massive, remember, five, five fight, $80 million deal with them for that, or 105, 80 million pound deal, sorry, for five fights. Yeah. Two of which have now gone, or three of which have three, now yeah. gone. And um, you know, I think, I think there was just he was just registering the level of frustration that he was feeling that he's he's trained hard, stayed in shape, nineteen and a half stone. He's in and out of the gym twice a day, and he just wants to know that he is going to get this fight in July. Because if he isn't going to get it, he'd rather move on and have two other opponents this year or fight Joshua later in the year. But but the truth is, mm. you know. Joshua has been sending out cryptic messages and, you know, he did this stream with uh, with one of his um, sponsors. clothing sponsors yeah. Yeah, on Sunday and, and he said, June's the date, trust me fans, you know, um, you know, the, the, and, and he also praised Fury for saying, we're both hungry go-getters. That's true, so that's very true, it, yep. So all of that, for me, points to um, a contract in the next week or so that we'll get it and then they'll... And then they, I, I'm almost certain they'll go to the Middle East, Eddie. They, I don't see where else they're going to go at the moment with a crowd. And I think it'll be Saudi. Yeah, I mean, look, people listening will be will be happy to hear everything you just said there, Gareth, because I was putting a downer on it and you've definitely uh, lifted us up again. Uh, a fight that definitely put a downer on me on the weekend was Joseph Parker versus Junior Far. I mean, it did that because I had to get up at 6am in the morning to, to make sure I didn't miss it. And I fell asleep watching it. It was it was bad, wasn't it? I mean, it was a hug fest from, I think, round two onwards. And look, we're all building up for Joseph Parker versus Chisora, but that doesn't help sell it. I think Chisora Parker will be a lot more exciting than that, and it will be. But Joseph Parker yeah. Junior Far wasn't the greatest. Exp- I mean, greatest thing to watch was it? No, I, exactly. I, look, we, we heard um, the Dillian White knockout by Alexander Povetkin. I know we're going to talk about him in a minute, but you know, I spoke to both Dillian and and Derek Chisora on Saturday night. In fact, I spoke to uh, Dillian on Friday night as well. I can't get away from Dillian at the moment. Um, that you know, um, Dillian. Dillian ran Parker down a little bit and said, you know, I don't think he's the fighter he was. But obviously mm. he had that incredibly exciting fight that we broadcast for Talk Sport against Parker and, uh, and White was extraordinary. Great fight Last, that was. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Last three or four rounds, you know, were life and death. And I mean that kind of uh, descriptively rather than literally um, in that fight. And it was just amazing to be out with these two 17 and a half stone men just letting everything go at each other in the mm. end. And, and I think, and I spoke to Chisora and Chisora, I think Chisora, Derek Chisora was right about um, Joseph Parker. He's been out over a year. Um, he, uh, Parker and Junior Far, it was a local fight with a 12,000 crowd. You know, it was like a big domestic, the equivalent of a big... It was like, it was like the equivalent of Dillian White against... Um, uh, 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 yeah, in terms of bragging rights, yeah. not in terms of styles. Oh, OK, they, so more, more Dillian White, um, Joshua then. Yes, exactly. Yeah, a bit like exactly like a local rivalry, bragging rights for 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 who goes away with the spoils. Both Junior Far and 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 Joseph Park had fought each other twice as amateurs, four times as amateurs, and it was two two. So there's a lot of that going into it. I thought, you know, there was a lot of um, very Klitschko-esque kind of jab jab hold, one two hold in it. And Joseph Parker, I think, raises his game to the style of the kind of person he's fighting at times you know 
Um, and if you think back to the one fight that is the weirdest fight he's ever had, it was against Anthony Josh. Let them engage at all for about nine rounds. Mm. And he kept them apart. So Parker's an unusual character. He's very comfortable in the office, in the square circle. He's very comfortable fighting. He's not the biggest heavyweight in the world. He's got interesting skills. He has got power, but not loads of it. Opponents seem to respect him when they face off with him in the ring. Like, he's not someone that people swarm all over because they find it too difficult because he is fast and, and he's got, he goes in and out of range cleverly. He's got a lot more than people give him credit for. And I agree with Derek. On Saturday night, he was up against a guy he didn't want to lose to at home. Mm. And I think Farr made it an awkward, messy fight. Um, the scorecards are a little bit off. A but little I think bit? He won it, yeah. I mean, he, he won it eight rounds to four or, yeah. or nine rounds to three. I think one of them had like it like 119, 110 or something. 109. Yeah. yeah. 119, 109. I mean, which is kind of like 11 rounds to one, isn't it? I mean, it's closer than that. But again, you know, um, on, 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 you know, our, our, our brother or sister show on the Saturday night, we had Robert Smith, the General Secretary of Boxing Water Control on Eddie, talking about scoring. And I do agree with him. Um, I have scored fights before, like literally round by round, and I'm covering the fight in terms of writing about it on a live blog or whatever, and I haven't looked at my score, and I clearly see one guy beating the other. But when you add it up, it's a draw, yeah. you know? Yeah, and no. and it, it's a weird thing, scoring. It is, and, and I agree, but I mean, some scorecards, especially scorecards that we've seen over here in the UK recently have been, I think, uh, horrendous. Um, you mentioned that you spoke to Dillian White um, on Saturday. Let's hear now from Dillian White. Obviously, he's got this big fight coming up with Alexander Povetkin, but if he gets through that, Dillian White does think he deserves a title shot next. I want to fight for the real title. He had the real title, you know. I, mean, I want to fight for everyone that's been around the same time as me. Is that all the rubbish guys that two, three Dominic Brazil, two, three real title fight, Eric Molina, yeah. two, three real title fight, um, Johan Dupa, two real title fight. All of these guys, you know, like no, no, um, Erkovich Hunt, they've wanted to win, they've ever get real title fight before me. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we know the issue that Dylan White had with the WBC and wanting that Deontay Wilder title shot before the Povetkin loss. I mean, he's almost unfortunate, it seems like, Gareth. And I don't think this is right. I think he's now gone further down the pecking order with that defeat. Um, even if he does get the win against Povetkin, I mean, you've got the, the talks about Usyk and Joe Joyce and them fighting for it. And you've got the the IBF eliminated between Hergovic and Hunter, which you mentioned there. He, he's, he's further away, isn't he now? Well, he is. But, 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 but what's... Um, I think what, what, what it does do, a victory does put him back in that position as the interim WBC champion, all right? Mm. Um, he has waited a very long time for it. And like, it's a position to get yourself into because who knows what's going to happen between like Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury in those intervening five or six months where you know they're going to fight for all the belts, WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO. Um, if one of them gets an injury, for example, mm. um, could Dillian White, if he's in shape and he's the interim WBC title holder, then um, yeah, yeah, it could get a last minute. Fight. Yeah, it could I, I get, think it could happen. Mm. Exactly. All of that, all of those scenarios. Be ready. Be prepared. Be in the right position. At the moment, he's not in the right position. He got caught by what was it a left uppercut? Wasn't it booming left uppercut from Povetkin at the wrong moment, at the wrong time, on on a quiet night? And it was a quiet night. I was sitting there about ten feet or twenty feet away from it, and you could that 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 screaming in the package earlier, the the the, the audio package was Povetkin's team who was so shocked and delighted because he'd been down twice already in the fight. Yeah. So, look. 
I, I admire Dillian. I think he's a warrior. He's a genuine warrior. His Spanish is awful, by the way. I heard. It's, I was listening. I, I could not stop laughing. And he's going to slap me over it, I'm sure, when he sees me. But he made me laugh for five minutes. I could not stop on Saturday. He's a great character for the sport. I want him to beat Povetkin for him. Uh, but if Povetkin beats him, then so be it. Then, Addy, I think your argument holds reason. <laughs> Ronda is in big trouble, Mike. Nunez's hands are down. She's walking Ronda down. She tags her again. Over and over. Amanda Nunez. Big combination. That's it. It's it. It's over. It's all over. Just like that. What a fight card we've got coming up for you guys on the weekend. UFC 259 is this weekend, and I mean, it is absolutely stacked. Israel Adesanya, the current middleweight champion, will look to become a two-weight world champion. Champ, champ, as he takes on Jan Blahovic, which is no easy feat at all. We see the greatest female fighter, I think, of all time, Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson. And we've got Petra Jan as well against Aljamain Sterling. I mean, we even got Thiago Santos on the card. No one's even talking about that. Gareth? I'm going to kick you off with this question. Can Israel do it? Do you think Israel can become champ champ? Do you think he will become champ champ? Look, if he was facing John Jones now, who Ooh. obviously was went on whatever it was, however many fights, like six or seven years undefeated as the champion mm. in the light heavyweight division. Yeah. 205 pounds, that is, for people listening who don't follow MMA, um, which is like a small heavyweight or it's a cruiserweight in, in boxing. Um, look, I'd be favouring John Jones, I think, even though he's looked a little bit slovenly in his last few performances. Certainly I has. Do think we've had this chat on there. We have. We have. I think Jones is the greatest. <laughs> we both love him, guy. yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do love him. I do, and, you know, and, and even though he calls me Garth, and he, want <laughs> left, and, he, and he once left litter in my car when he was in my car with me for three hours in London. And I said, you left litter? What's litter? I said, he said, oh, the trash. He said, oh, I, I only left it in your the, 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 the footwell of the car because I didn't want to throw it on the street, sir. Oh. And he said, I'll find a bin, I'll find a trash can for it. But I did tell John Jones off that day, and we always have a laugh about it. It's when a bit I brave of you. Yeah, well, he was only about 20 at the time. Oh, okay. He'd been here at yeah. a, at a, at a um, UFC fair at Earl's Was that Court. the one in um, oh, Cannon Town? Oh, yeah, okay, no, no, no. Okay. No, it was Earl's Court, and I hosted him on stage and hosted Rashad Evans on stage as well that day, and we had a great fun, and we were on our way to an event in a massive traffic jam. Uh, I've I never told you about this story. No, you haven't. And well, I'm... there was a UFC event. The, 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 the UFC fair was in, um, you know, Fan Expo is uh, what I mean by that, in, in Earl's Court. And there was an event in the evening. I think Bisping was headlining over at the O2 Arena. And we finished at the fair. I may have even been working TV that night as well. But we, we finished about five o'clock. We needed to get to the event for about eight. And there was a massive traffic jam. And I had um, in the back of my car, Vandalay Silva... Um, Tiago Alves and Malky Kawa, who is the agent for John Jones, and John Jones in the front, and we were trapped in the car for two and a half hours. Imagine someone, end, imagine someone the... accidentally hitting that car. <laughs> imagine the carnage, <laughs> with, the real carnage, with the axe murderer in the back. I know exactly. I know, and like in in the end, thankfully, it's quite a big old 
Mercedes. But in the end, we couldn't get to Canary Wharf because the tunnel, the tunnel, the tunnel was shut. So I had to park the car. We ran into Canary Wharf, got on the tube, um, or got the train over to to the O2 Arena to Greenwich. And of course, in the train at the time were loads of UFC fans. So it was like it was like the the, the, the living dead swarm came to us when the when the five of us stepped onto the train because everyone wanted to hug these guys and speak to them and see them. It was it was an incredible journey. But I feel like I, I had the tape recorder running with John Jones that day, and I really got to know him. We 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 made a connection. So I'm still a massive fan of him. So to answer your question, right, to get back to the point, yes, yes. I think Israel Adesanya. Jan Blakovic likes to stand and bang. He's not a complex fighter. He's very powerful. He's dangerous. He's a big guy. He's in the prime of his career. He's a peak fighter. But I just think Israel Adesanya, moving up from middleweight to light heavyweight, mm. he's taller than you think. He is close to six foot three. He spins. He twists. He he, he turns you around. I think he's going to knock Blakovic out. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think wow. it'll be dramatic and I yeah. think it'll knock him out. It's interesting. You know what's more interesting for me as well? When I saw um, Ezra Adesanya ringside, and obviously he's going to be there, um, ringside for Junior Farr versus yeah. Joseph Parker. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. why are you not in America? Like, well, what, like surely you need a couple of weeks to acclimatise, no? No, I think he's back and forth all the time. I mm. think, yeah, it, the, the acclimatisation thing is interesting. Um Look, he's there for a reason. It might have been for it might have been for the sparring. It might have been Maybe, yeah. for you know who he could find there. But yeah, it was interesting that he was there at KSI and Logan Paul. I was chatting to him in November 2019, and I was surprised to see him there. And that was the day I really realised with Israel very relaxed that how big a man he actually is. He's massive. Is. Yeah, he, he is he, a massive. big, big guy. Yeah, you know? he, he, I can't really wait is. for this fight. It's a, it's a it's a phenomenal matchup. Of fighters, because Jan Blakovic, as I say, is is a is a kind of he's a yeoman of the of the light heavyweight division. He's been on a brilliant run since he beat Jimmy Manua. Um, can't wait for it. Cannot wait for that fight, Eddie. Honestly, you say it's a, it's a cracking fight. I think it's, a, it's an absolutely cracking card. I mean, you, you look at the card. I mean, Dominic Cruz is back, for example. Mm. I mean, it, the card is absolutely stacked. I mean, I, I think this girl could headline herself, but she's co-main event for this one. We know she can headline herself. Amanda Nunes, who I think just looks unbeatable. I mean, Megan Addison's obviously a different prospect. She's a massive, massive female, massive for the weight as well. But for me, there's only one person I think that can beat Amanda Nunes, and that's if she goes against uh, Valentina Shevchenko again. That, that's it as far as I'm concerned. No one else. I, I don't see anyone else touching her uh, when it comes to female mixed martial arts at 135 or 145. No, I agree with you, but I've got to pull... We had Hannah Rankin on the show. Yeah. You, you, you are going to get knocked out by one of them one day. <laughs> if you keep saying these. <laughs> no, so, no, in all seriousness, Amanda Nunes. <clears throat> I still think Chris Cyborg is, was ahead of her time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think... I do still count her as the number one ever. Well, Cyborg. In women's fighting. In Cyborg, yeah. Mm. And I know she's lost... To, to Amanda Nunes, but it was a shootout, that fight. I think they should have had a second fight. They should have, yeah. I mean, that's the... You know, look, as you say, Megan Anderson, or Megan Anderson, Megan is... They, they say Megan in American, in America, right? But, but it's... A, guys, that's an Australian accent, by the way. That's Wait, why that was your Megan. Australian accent? Megan, Megan. Uh, okay. No, no, I, I do... I'll... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't start me off with that. We'll, we'll have an accents show one Monday and we'll just do accents for a whole hour. How about that? Um, 
No, no, but and so send in your accents you want me and Addy to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want a Nigerian but, one. Go on. <laughs> Give me a Nigerian one right now. No, no, you're not going to draw me into trouble. Um, but I will practice it for next time when we are clearly doing accents all afternoon. Um, look, Amanda Nunes it has been extraordinary. You know, she's become a mother recently or becoming a mother with her female partner, which I think is extraordinary as well. She's an amazing person. I tell you what I always remember. Her last defeat, to tell you a little story, was against Kat Zingano, who, you know, I know fairly well. And I remember Kat, Kat reversed the fight. She took a beating in the first round from Amanda in grounding pound position, mm. got up and won the fight by third round elbows, I think it was, TKO elbows. But Kat said to me, and I'll never forget this, she said, that woman hit me so hard in that first round. I was feeling the bumps and bruises for about the next three months. Every time I had a little pain when I went back to training, it was how hard Amanda Nunes hit me. She's She's got extraordinary freakish power. And I think, unfortunately, even though, as you say, Megan Anderson, six foot tall, the Invicta, former Invicta featherweight champion. I think she'll get blown away, unfortunately. Yeah, she, she, but I'm looking she, forward she to seeing it. No, honestly, I'm looking forward to that as well. I'm looking forward to Precha Yan versus Aljamain Sterling. I'm looking oh, forward totally. to so many things on pick, the card. Pick a winner in that one, Eddie. Pick a winner. <sighs> oh, good. Aljamain. Aljamain submission, round three. That, do you know that the amazing thing about Petra Yan and, and Aljamain Sterling? I mean, look how brilliant Petra Yan looked against people like Jose Aldo. Looked great, and so didn't he? Yeah. He's got everything. He's a little, I describe him like a little pocket battleship, like, like Carl Frampton. He's like a little artillery unit on his own, you know? Mm. He's got all the skills. That, this fight could go anywhere. It could, be, it could be finished in any particular way. But you're right about Aljamain Sterling. He's a special talent with extraordinary confidence. I just feel that Yan will hunt him down. And it, if this fight goes five rounds, it could be one of the great UFC fights of all time. It certainly could be. What a great card. UFC 259 on the weekend. All right, you're listening to Finite Extra here on TalkSport 2. Up next, we speak to UFC heavyweight contender Tom Aspinall. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Good afternoon, this is Fight Night Extra here on TalkSport 2 of myself, Adi Oladipo and the great Gareth A. Davis. Remember, if you've missed any, any part of today's show, you can always catch up with our podcast. Just search for the Fight Night wherever you download your podcast to access all previous episodes. Not only that, but you can check out some of the other stuff we do as well, such as Fight of My Life and The Boy from Brownsville, The Mike Tyson Story. Some people you never know that can, can affect their confidence, their psychology, their approach to the game. It's like, whoa, hold on a minute. I'm used to people falling over when I hit them. What is happening? And there it is. Look at that. It's over. tap quickly for Arlovsky. Tom Aspinall. Submission victory in round two. Yeah, what a performance that was from UK's very own Tom Aspinall, who joins us now. Tom, I'm almost happy to speak to you, but I'm disappointed that Nick Pete's not on the line with us as well, because he is by far your biggest fan, your, your biggest... He talks about you all the time, put it that way. Uh, so when you look back at that Andre Oloski performance, I mean, look, it's, it's always difficult to kind of score and mark yourself, but... I mean, there was no faults in it, right? I mean, Michael Bisping ringside was saying your hands were so fast. I mean, I don't know if we appreciate how fast your hands are for such a big man on TV. How would you describe your performance and how do you rate that performance? 
Yeah, first of all, let me just start by saying it is a shame that Nick Pete's not on because he would be absolutely loving it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, I thought it was, a, it was a decent performance. It was decent. I got clipped a couple of times and I shouldn't have got clipped, but, you know, sometimes that just happens in, in, in fights, so you, there's nothing you can do about that. So, yeah, I, I was happy with the performance overall. And um, was it? And it's great to speak to you, Tom. I was very, very impressed. I, I, you may not know, but I've been following uh, MMA a long time, and you know, seen you from a distance coming up as a young man. And um, it, it must have been very strange for you fighting a guy in Andre Olovsky, who you'd seen as a hero when you were growing up as well, who'd been a role model for you. Yeah, do you know to to think about it, you would think like when I when I envisioned it, it was weird. But when I was actually in there, it was just. It was just another another contest against another person. It was nothing different. And I just treated it like that, you know. It, it, I had a little giggle to myself because, like you say, I, I've looked up to him for a long time and uh, I really appreciate the work that he's done over the years. But well, as soon as the bell rings, it's just another guy. Tom, you've been quite busy. And, and this is good to see because this has been an accusation of, of fighters, not just in MMA, but in boxing in terms of their activity. You've had sort of three fights in, what, seven or eight months. It, was that always the plan, regardless of sort of the outcome of fights? Obviously, if you lose, it's a different. You have to kind of go on the shelf for a while. But if you do win and you win quickly, was that always the plan, just to, to stay busy and take as many fights as possible? Yeah, I, I want to stay as busy as I can. A lot of the heavyweights, they're fighting like once a year. If I can get three, and especially because I'm not very experienced, I'll... I'll take that. I'd like to um, I'd like to get as many fights as I can as long as my body allows it. You don't want to be doing too much because you don't want to burn yourself out. So I think uh, three fights in a year. You get one early in the year, get one around the summertime and then one one the back end of the year. That would be ideal for me. Tom, um, for the for those listening who, who are getting into MMA, who are, are following the UFC or they're following Bellator and they, they, they're, they're fight fans anyway, but they're getting involved in a growing sport... Um, just tell us a little bit of history about how you got into it, because obviously your father is a, 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 a jiu-jitsu teacher and you've been around it all your life. Just talk to us about how you've grown up in, in the sport. Yeah, so martial arts has always been something that's like um, in my life. Like you say, my dad was one of the first BJJ black belts in this country. He's a pioneer of English jiu-jitsu. So uh, it's always something that I've been around. And then he started to be involved with uh, Team Carbon, which is a, you know, the, the most successful gym in the UK in terms of stats and stuff. Um, so I was always around MMA fighters, um, you know, the first kind of wave of, of UK UFC fighters. So just always something that I've been involved in in my life. I've always been around the gym, whether I'm training or not. I've always been around fighters. And yeah, it's just been kind of like a natural progression. It's not only that, it's since I've since I've done it, I've always loved it. So, um, so yeah, it's just something that I've always been involved in. Nick, uh, one thing I remember after the win, I think I saw Nick tweet out and, and say, like, you know, in a couple more fights, you're ready. And I guess this is the UFC whereby the heavyweight division, I actually think it's a, a bit more stacked than people give it credit for. I think we saw that on the weekend. Um, but you are only a couple of fights away from being in the discussion. Is there a danger that they maybe do fast track you too quick? I mean, is it a case of your team having to hold you back? I mean, because Tom, look, your confidence in there against Olofsky would suggest to me that you're ready for anyone, but is there a, a danger whereby they kind of push you too quickly just because you do look so good against experienced vets like Olofsky? Yeah, of course, but that's why I've got a team. Otherwise, uh, if it was up to me, I would just fight whoever. Um, so, that's right, you know, I've got a good team around me, a good team of people that, that care about me as well on a personal level, not just people who are trying to make money. So I'm very lucky in that respect that they will choose the right fights for, for me at the right time. They won't 
you know they'll be aware of pushing me too quick and I would I would like to fight a couple more veterans like Arlovsky you know people who maybe former champions and and people like that before I start fighting guys in the top five so just so I can get I a bit more agree. experience I completely I think agree. A lot of I don't the, agree. I, I don't agree with you Addy I don't think the heavyweight division is stacked in the UFC at all and this is why I think it's a brilliant time for Tom like we've had two major stars you can count Darren Till but he hasn't got to be the champion yet but um, Conor McGregor out of Ireland and Michael Bisco I'm talking top top stars now to come out of Europe and, and, and really make it in the UFC Tom has the opportunity in my view um, I think there's there's two or three guys at the top who are very good in the division but I, and I completely agree with Tom a victory over a junior Dos Santos a victory over an Alistair Overeem and I know these are big names um, but they, they they're probably just past their best I think Tom's got it I, I thought his I thought Tom your hand speed was extraordinary um, you, you 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 broke Arlovsky and when, when you took him when you took his bat he didn't want to know anymore anyway in the second round um, but I, I I'm really really excited because of the skills we've already seen I think you could be the guy who really gets a title shot in four or five fights in a year and a half because to have a heavyweight champion from Liverpool from the UK from Europe in the UFC would be amazing for the growth of the sport here I'm, and I'm I'm sure you visualize that journey yeah of course um, and when you say you think yeah I might be the guy I think obviously I think I am the guy but it's all got to be done like you say at the right time it's not I'm not, the, I'm not the type of person who's going to let their ego get involved and just rush things just for the sake of rushing it. I'm going to do it when it's right for me. And I'm not going to... Mm. Um, like, I, like I say, I've got the right... I'm, look, luckily for me, I've got people around me managing my career who I trust and who've been around me for a long, long time who I'm personal friends with. And, and the like... Well, one of them is my dad, obviously. So they are literally family to me. So it's never going to be like... They're not going to rush it for money or rush it for glory or anything like that. They're going to do it when, when I'm ready to do it, not for any other reason. One thing, um, Tom, that me and Gareth spoke about last week, I think it was last week, Gareth, when we spoke about a lot of the UFC heavyweights and a lot of the, the good ones and, the, you know, the dangerous ones, are Stipe and even Francis, who's going to fight Stipe, being maybe the wrong side of 30. On the weekend, we saw a guy that's the right side of 30 that I think looked really good in Cyril Garnet. What do you make yeah, of his performance? Did. Yeah, I think uh, Cyril Garnet is definitely a problem. I think he's really, really good. Um, he's kind of like one of the new breed of heavyweights like myself and like... Yeah. Uh, the guy who fought on the same card as me, Chris Dorcas, and people like yeah. that. The kind of the, ne the the next wave of heavyweights coming up, like a younger type of heavyweight. And like you say, a lot of the top five, top ten, they're kind of on the back end of the career now, and it, it's time for us guys to kind of move in. And I'm sure down down the line, us guys are all going to meet, and uh, we're going to have a lot of uh, good competition down, you know, in the years to come. One of the things, Tom, for, for one of the tough things for heavyweights in mixed martial arts is that with those four ounce gloves and you guys generally weighing around 260 pounds, um, is that literally you can put an inch wrong and be hit by a jab and it can alter the course of a fight. And there is a lot of 50 50, therefore, in, in heavyweight fights. And, and I wonder. Is there a way, I mean, we all talked about, we've always talked about it's very hard to, to sustain a long unbeaten record as a heavyweight in MMA for that very reason. Do you, as the, one of the new breed of, of young heavyweights uh, in mixed martial arts, do, do you think there are strategies around having a long winning streak? 
don't know. It's very hard for me to say at this point because I've only had like twelve fights, so it's. I think you're better. You're probably better off asking that question to someone a lot more experienced than I am. So I don't, at this point, I don't really. Uh, I don't really know. Like you say, it's such a dangerous sport for big two hundred and sixty pound mm. plus guys with them four ounce gloves on. You um, there's no there's no way of not getting knocked out really if you get if you get punched with one of them. It's impossible to basically stay standing. So I I, I don't know is the answer. Tom, just quickly before you go, final question. Do you know when you're out again? I'm looking around summertime. I'd love to fight around June, July time. Um, got a couple of issues with the old body that needs, because uh, like I say, I've, I've been very active recently and I've got a couple of ongoing little niggles that need to be uh, rehabbed properly. So, yeah, around summertime is where I'd like. I'd like June, July time would be perfect. Fantastic. Tom Aspinall, my man, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us here on Fight Night Extra. Always been great to speak to you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 